Raider great Lincoln Kennedy breaks down why the Raiders won last week and what they'll need to do this week to get another W with Q on Unnecessary Roughness. And Lincoln Kennedy joins us now on the phone lines. And Lincoln, let me take you back to the holiday weekend, man. Thanksgiving came by. Uh, the Huskies got a victory. Oregon lost. The Raiders got a dub. You got to be feeling pretty good about yourself these days. Oh, man. It was a perfect weekend. Are you kidding me? I got to come <laughs> home with the Raiders. I, I mean, I, I had so much fun over the weekend, the Thanksgiving holiday, that I lost my voice coming home Monday. So, yeah, it was a great time. Well, we definitely appreciate you giving a few minutes of your time this afternoon to talk some Raiders football and what you saw is. <laughs> You and Jason Horowitz were in the booth, and uh, I got to take you to your call, man. The call that you guys had on the 86-yard uh, walk-off by Josh Jacobs and just hearing the excitement in your voice. How much fun is that calling walk-offs like that back-to-back weeks? You know, I've only had a limited career as a broadcaster, and there's been very few times where you've had such breakaway plays. But this season has provided some unusual excitement, so many unusual uh, and non-typical you know, pieces of excitement from Devontae Adams the week before and the, the, you know, the catch being wide open to seeing a breakaway run that time by Josh Jacobs. I think it was back in 2016 um, when, when the Raiders were playing the Saints and they were able to get a big run and then mm-hmm. they went for two and, and, and won the game, Del Rio. And that's what, you know, coming home from the Saints, I think that was the last one that I remember of that magnitude. But it was just awesome. Yeah, no, and I remember that game against the Saints in 2016. Jalen Richard had his very first carry. Remember his very first carry went to the house, and then uh, Jack Del Rio rolled the dice and went for two, and and that happened, and they did get that victory, and that that was a hell of a performance. So when you see Josh Jacobs end up on the injury report on Friday, I know panic hit in when it came to Raider Nation. What were you thinking when you saw it was a calf strain? Well, I didn't. I didn't pick up the report because I was. I, I saw all the reports up to that point and didn't think anything about it. But when I got. Jason and I drove to the stadium from the hotel over together. He said he didn't know if Jacobs was going to play. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't see the, the injury report on Friday. I said, no, I was, the weekend was going on. I had a bunch of stuff going on. He's like, uh, I, I said, uh, he said, look out for him. And so while we were watching warm-ups, I don't necessarily think Josh came out there to, to warm up. But I did see him in uniform when they came out for the, you know, um, for the, for the team warm-up. So I didn't pay him much mind. And then as I'm watching him move and watching the game progress, there were times he got up a little gingerly and grimaced here and there, but for the most part, he wasn't being pulled out, and so he showed me that he was a trooper. I just didn't expect that burst from him late in the fourth quarter, even in overtime, that we saw for that 86-yard jog. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, I know that you, uh, we, we had the Raider Roundtable earlier today with JT, yourself, and, and me, and uh, JT asked you about a performance by a running back, and you brought up Nap. You brought up Napoleon Kaufman and his big performance. How would you compare what you saw Josh Jacobs do to what Napoleon did years ago? Well, I mean, Napoleon was a good all-around back, too. He, was, he wasn't the biggest guy. Um, but you know what? It was a gritty performance back in 97 when we were taking on Denver. And the main reason why that stood out to me, not only because I was playing, but the fact is up until that point, we had problems beating Denver. Mm-hmm. They had controlled us. And, you know, of course, the, the tables have been turned for the, these Raiders the last three years. They've, they've been able to hold on to them and keep them down. But, you know, up until that point, we had had trouble beating Denver. And that, they, that game... What stood out is we we ran very simple man on man block and power plays that you know Napoleon ended up getting 227 yards uh, or 21 yards whatever it was but the the thing is is that with Josh Jacobs he was not only equally effective coming out of the backfield carrying the football but also catching the football and that's why you know he was well over 300 yards of total offense. 
All right, Lincoln, something I want to ask you about is, first off, on that 86-yard run, you said, I've got nothing left to say. And you and went you on had everything to say <laughs> to describe that run. But elaborate on that a little bit more for us. What did you see, especially on the blocking side, that set up that 86-yard run for Josh Jacobs? Okay, I'll try to explain it at home for your audience that doesn't have the picture in front of them. But if you could imagine, you know, an I formation, which is two backs, a fullback and a tailback, single tight end, and then, you know, two wide receivers split out wide. The X, who's closest to the tight end, is going to come down and help with the strong safety, who's going to come alive and support in the box. The tight end is going to block man-on-man. If he's, if, he's, uh, if he's covered, if the tackle is uncovered, he's going to double-team with the guard to the backside linebacker. If he's with the tight end, they're going to double-team to the backside linebacker. Uh, and and the, uh, the ISO comes from, the word ISO lead comes from isolating the fullback on the middle linebacker. So you've got power blocking across the board. It's just man on man. It was so clean the way they blocked it when the snap happened. Foster Moreau, everybody did a good job. Even Mac Collins digging out the safety and keeping the corner at bay because he was in man on man coverage. You know, Josh to get downhill, the safety that was in the game took a horrible angle to try to get Josh and plug the hole. And that's why when you when Josh got to that level, there was no one else. He made the safety miss, which was the only person that touched him. Everyone else was taken up and was blocked. The only person that touched him was the safety, and he touched his leg, and then Josh was off to the races. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Necessary reference. We talked to Lincoln every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 o'clock. So as far as Derek Carr goes, he threw two early interceptions. Uh, one didn't even look like it was his fault, but either way, it's two interceptions, but was able to bounce back. What did you see from Derek Carr, and how impressed was the, you know, the resiliency of him and the rest of the team? Well, you know, there's been sort of a, a, a communication or a presence that's been working. Obviously, it's been blossoming because Derek and Devontae have history going back to college, but this is their first year playing together. It's still a work in progress. What Derek has done and what he's trying to do, and I, and I, I give him credit, but almost sometimes to, to, to uh, an extreme to where it's, it's, it can be hurting, um, he is trying to get other people involved. What he needs to do is he not only needs to have better communication, he also has, more, has to have more consistency. Those two interceptions, you know, really had no business thrown because Devontae didn't get his head around. I don't know if Devontae was a primary receiver on the first one. That could have been costly. And then the second one, there were three defenders around, uh, you know, Foster Moreau. You, you, can't, you, you can't do that to your offense. You throw it away, live to play another down. Take the check, check down. Don't turn over. Don't try to force the ball. Sometimes Derek gets a little over arrogant and over a little overzealous, and that's why he comes in inconsistency. But more times than not, his accuracy, his arm strength, and even what he did with his legs, a couple of scrambles, getting some yards, that kept drives going. That kept offenses alive. And here's another thing. You give defenses an extra thing to worry about if your quarterback will use his mobility. He doesn't do it all the time. I'm not saying that's what he's cut out to be, but he is athletic to where he could do it. And if he does do it, it'll be another weapon they have in their arsenal. What did you think of the fourth and inches call where it was a pitch to Jacobs instead of Didn't a quarterback? Like Didn't like it either. Yeah. I didn't, didn't either. Like I, Here's the thing. Quarterback Here's the thing. sneak. You don't, you, you're that short. You know, I've never liked fourth down and, and, and short plays where they go from the shotgun. I think that shows a, a sign of weakness to me, to me. But if you don't want to get Derek injured because of a, you know, if you want to go quarterback sneak, the last thing you want to do is go backwards or try to pitch it wide. You're just not that team. You want to go forward. That's the closest, you know, the closest between two points in a straight line. Right. I would have I ran in Jared Stidham. Would have ran them in, then they would have started looking for the, the quarterback sneak because oh, they only get a quarterback hurt. They're going to go with Jerry, then do the pitch play. 
but but what they had formation wise, what they had uh, just setting up set up wise wasn't wasn't sound. So I didn't like it. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Foster Morrow had that big touchdown catch in the back of the end zone to tie the game up, and that's coming back after a couple drops that he had in the game. Uh, how big was that? How difficult was that throw? Well, it, you know, look, I, I've never played quarterback before, but I did stay at Holiday and Express one time. So <laughs> I will say this. You know, I, 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 I know that the, there are throws that there's no such thing as an easy throw, especially with the speed of the NFL. But the thing is, is that, you, you know, you know what Foster is capable of. And he, the Raiders are relying on him big because I don't know if Darren Waller is going to come back. That's just my own insight. No, nothing privy to anything else. But I, I don't know. I, and so they don't have another tight end. And so far, what this team has been able to do with, you know, four active receivers and, what, two active tight ends? Mm-hmm. Pretty darn impressive. You know what I mean? So you got to try to keep everybody healthy. So you got to get everyone involved. My point is, when Foster is out there, you, you know, there's going to be times where there's going to be a, a linebacker isolated on him, and you could take advantage of that. Foster's not the best route runner. He's still learning. He's a prog- work in progress. But he is capable of getting open, and we have seen him make big plays, especially on some of those uh, some of those elementary routes that he runs. So that was just another case to get him involved and utilize, explore another weapon that they have, this offense has to use. You can't just rely on the same old, same old all the time. Another player that the Raiders were able to get involved against the Seahawks was Amir Abdullah. That touchdown catch that he had, what did you see from him and also the Offensive line's protection for Derek Carr because they did send a blitz, but they gave him enough time to step up and make that throw to Abdullah. Well, here's the thing. You spell Josh Jacobs after he runs a couple times, and usually when defenses see the backup running back come in the game, they don't expect him to get the football. So what Seattle had dialed up is they had dialed up where they, they thought it was probably going to go to Devontae. I think they tried to double him or something like that. Um, but they, uh, they, they put a linebacker on, on uh, Abdullah, and he, did a, he went out to the flat, Turned it up because there was no one outside. The linebacker was chasing him. Derek found him after going through his progression. The protection held up. He was able to get him and, and, and able to hit him with the touchdown. Big, big job. I mean, big, nice play. Just with roundhouse kick hurt him with the penalty. He didn't need to do that. <laughs> Lincoln, I did want to ask you about the Raiders' defense, and in particular the interior of the defensive line, Billings and Nichols and uh, Tillery, who's new to the team, and Cleve Earl even. Uh, seemed like they did a lot and got some good pressure on Geno. Uh, what did you see from the interior? Well, I really do like the interior defensive tackle. I like the level they're playing at. You know, the thing is, the Raiders signed Tillery, who was a former high draft choice out of Notre Dame, to give them some depth. And I think it's worked out, especially when you talk about their rotation. But I don't think the defensive interior guys get enough love. Everybody wants to talk about um, wants to talk about the fact that um, uh, you know the the, the ends, Max Crosby mm-hmm. and, and guys like that, but don't want to talk about the defensive tackles. And the defensive tackles are the, what we call the block eaters. Who are, who are taking up space a lot of times and keeping guys like Denzel Perriman free. Denzel Perriman had a big day as well, uh, interception. And I know that coverage is not his forte, but he had a nice interception that the Raiders needed, right? They had two turnovers. They don't create a lot of turnovers, Lincoln, but they got two on Sunday that they desperately needed. Yeah, it's not a very opportunistic defense. It's going to get better as, as things progress under the system once they figure certain things out. But, you know, that was a huge turnover. And, look, for what it's worth, the ball has bounced a couple ways for, you know, this season for the Raiders. You know, that fumble that went on the ground that was recovered by the Raiders when the Seahawks had momentum going in was huge as well. Yeah, no, it really was. And uh, how about the defense standing up when uh, Carlson misses that field goal in uh, overtime? Seahawks look like they're like one or two first downs away from winning the game. And Max Crosby comes up big. The defense comes big and doesn't allow them to do that. That was what you needed to see, uh, Lincoln. 
Well, I mean, I, you know, look, they're, they're called the cardiac kids for a reason, right? <laughs> this, is, this is what we get almost every week. You know, you talk about the one-possession games, one games that bounced against the Raiders, and recently over the last couple of weeks you got two, uh, you know, two uh, overtime games. So you got extra football, and you find a way to win. Hey, the resiliency is something that's there on this team and all sides of the ball. And there's been times, guys, where I think this team has totally complemented one another. Offense has complemented defense, defense mm-hmm. has complemented special teams, so on and so forth. When you have that, that, that shows that shows that you have a good team. I'm not saying they're a good team yet. I say they've got potential. Right. They just got to find a way to play together with the people they're going to be able to rely on. You call them the cardiac kids, and we were able to see, hey, they were able to get this win against the Seahawks in overtime. Did you have more confidence go- going into overtime against the Seahawks after seeing the performance they put up against the Broncos? No. Okay. <laughs> Come on now. Look, how many games have, have for yeah. whatever reason, have you, you know we, you've lost? Um, you know, with one possession. You know, mm-hmm. forget the fact of overtime. You know, the, the, the you know you, you go into an overtime just like we did last week, and you know the Raiders didn't win the coin toss to open up Denver, but they did win the coin toss in overtime. They went down to walk off touchdown. You know, this time they didn't win the over. They didn't win the coin toss to start the game against Seattle, but they did win it for this. So, okay, we got a chance. We got a chance. <laughs> You know, you get down there, you fall short. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do it. And then all of a sudden, the team gets the ball back midfield, and it's like, oh my goodness, here it goes, another heartbreaking loss. Defense goes out there and does its job. Surprises me. Plays absolutely well. I didn't know what the play call was calling for uh, for uh, for uh, Seattle, but you know, I'll take it. His mistake uh, and and uh, their poor execution gave the Raiders the ball back, and then of course. To cap it off with a beautiful run, power run, one of my favorite plays, um, uh, was, was absolutely devastating uh, and a beautiful thing to see. That's why I said I was speechless. I have nothing to say. I was, I was just in awe. <laughs> let's get out of here. I remember, let's get out of here. Let's go home. Let's go. That, was, that was good stuff. And Lincoln, we'll go home with this one. Uh, I know that Devontae is playing well. He's one yard shy of 1,000. Josh is leading the league in rushing, so he's doing fantastic. But two pieces that were added in the offseason, uh, given contract extensions, Waller and Renfro, neither one of them have done anything this year because they've been injured. What do you think this offense could look like if both guys were available? Well, I think the sky's the limit, especially with a quarterback of um, you know, Derek's capabilities. However, it's not going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's something that you've got to take into consideration moving forward because, you know, I like Hunter, but Hunter has taken a beating in his short time in the league. Don't know how much he can put up with. Finding another slot receiver is going to be a little bit difficult of a task. Not impossible, but a difficult task. But the Raiders are going to have some hard decisions. I'm not saying they're going to move on for Hunter or they're going to move on for Dara, but they've got some hard decisions because, guys, I'm of the mindset that if you want to play, you'll play. And I know the IR is still going on, but, you know, once they come eligible, if they don't play, there's something to be said about that. You know, so it's, it's one of those things where it, I want, if I'm in that locker room, I want guys who are ready to fight with me. Can't make the club in a tub. So I don't need anybody looking at me or holding a clipboard or staying at home while I'm out there working my ass off. There you go. And like I said, that's a great way to, to, to take it home right there. And they'll be eligible. Both guys will be eligible following this game this week against the Chargers. And Lincoln, we'll talk about the Chargers on Thursday. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Not a problem, guys. Be well. Talk to you soon. There he goes. Lincoln Kennedy right there. That's a great mic drop moment right there. Uh, he says it all the time. You can't make the club in the tub. And uh, so both guys, both guys. Hunter and Waller are both available, or at least they should be available. They're eligible to come off IR. That's the proper way to say it. I don't want to say that they're available because I don't know. I have no clue. But I know they're eligible following this game with the Chargers.
416 is the time. You got something? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> that was the biggest BS right there. That was like fighting with your with your uh with your girl or something like that. You got something? You, you, you got something else? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, because you mentioned that they'll be eligible yeah, to come eligible, back right. off of IR after this game here. And I know because this is why I didn't want to say it, but it's just going to see because both guys are going to be coming back. Who wants it? Either one of them. Do, right. do you want it? And right. I, know, I know it's like, hey, it's the injury. You can't rush it back. But I'm not saying that it's that time of the season because at 4-7, and seven, you don't want to think about the playoffs. But maybe you should be looking, hey, as soon as I come off IR, we win this one, I'm going to be that missing cog to a playoff push. That's what I would think. But I'm just me, and you're just you. And Josh Jacobs is him, right? I mean, he easily, I said this I said this last week, he easily could have said my calf is strained. I'm not playing. Could have easily said that. But he didn't. He went out there and played because that's who he is. We'll see what happens. Again, like I said, both guys, both are eligible to come off the IR following this game against the Chargers. Will one? Will both? Will neither? We won't find out until after the Chargers game. 417 is the time. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 422 is the time. Many thanks to Lincoln Kennedy. Many thanks to all our great guests. Starting off with Dr. David Chow. Brad Spielberger for Pro Football Focus, John McClain, Gallery Sports and Sports Radio 610, and as mentioned, Lincoln Kennedy. And, of course, appreciate all our great guests. That is Raider Nation at 702-365-9200 and also on the text line at 69187, keyword r Fun day, turn spirited day, turn fun day. That's what we do around here. I mean, it's just it's great stuff, great conversation, no hard feelings, no matter what side of any conversation you're on. It's just, it's just good, healthy, friendly conversation. Speaking of friendly conversation, Demond, 702-365-9200. Who you say we got up? Dark Side Don. Dark Side, welcome to the show. Yo, yo, what up? What's good? What's up, man? Nothing much. Hey, man, y'all arguing over two females in high school about who looked the best and both of them peaked in high school. That's okay. <laughs> Who's arguing? <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't mean arguing. That might have been a bad word, but the debate in and of itself is basically two who who was the baddest in high school and both of them peaked in high school. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty much where it's at cuz ain't neither one of them did nothing this year and we really want to be honest, both of them have been, did about the same since they've been on the Raiders. So, I don't see what the debate comes in at. Both of them hurt, they both got paid, and it is what it is. We'll see if they're going to be on the team next year. But to answer your question, what I want to see from this, or what I'm asking for this Raider team is just consistency. That's all I, I want like from it. them is, is just consistency. And that's all, I can, that's all anyone can ask from, from them is consistency. Now, that's good. That's a good one, man. I told you, outside of the box answers, we've gotten a lot of those. Cap space, consistency, you know, better drafting. I mean, those, those are, again, I wasn't even thinking like that. And, and that's credit to Raider Nation. That's why I'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Also, the text line at 69187, keyword r And it's funny what he said about, you know, the debate. And that's why I was so confused because what, everything he said is exactly what I've been saying. Is that, you know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare or contrast either one of them. I'm saying they've both given the same thing so far. And when we asked Darren, or not Darren, we asked uh, Lincoln about what the offense could look like if both guys were available. He's like, man, sky's the limits if they're available. And he, and he talked about them. He talked about both. So I'm just, that's the only thing I'm asking in the whole conversation is let's just keep the energy the same for both guys, not, not exclusive to one. Yeah, I see what you're saying where it's just the, 
hey, let's not make it just about what one guy isn't doing right. because they're both not on the field. And to Darkside Don's point, he said, like, but we both said this as well. I said it's silly to be having this argument or this conversation about two guys with 35 catches between them. Right. Right. Exactly. So, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Like I said, uh, I under, totally understand where it's coming from. I just think that, uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny just hearing, hearing some of the, the conversation and the argument for, you know, and it's hard to argue for a guy that doesn't, hasn't done anything, right? And, and so it's hard to sit here and pound the table and be like, no, no, Waller's the more valuable guy. No, Renfro is. No, well, neither one of them is out there. And obviously, like I, going back to my point that I made to begin, obviously both guys were valuable to the team. Because they gave him extensions. That's all. Who we got up next? Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, what's up, Q? What's up, Doc? Hey, man, I don't even know why. I don't even know why this is a conversation, man. I mean, look, <laughs> unless Waller doesn't want to be a Raider or something like that, which I don't think that's the case. I know there's some some people out there speculating, but you know, if Waller, if Waller's healthy, he's gonna be one of the best in the NFL. I mean, that's just the facts, dude. So. I mean, once he's healthy, I mean, it's not even going to be a conversation. Like, to me, it's going to be like, well, does he know the playbook? Like, is he digging in the playbook right now, and is he going to be ready to roll, you know? And then the other thing, like Renfro, I mean, he's never going to be a number two wide receiver, in my opinion. But that's not his skill set. He's a slot wide receiver, and he can be a darn good one if he's healthy and he knows the playbook, and maybe the Raiders use him a little better than uh, they did when he was in, in games, you know what I mean? And so – you know, I know a lot of people are all in their feelings about the whole, you know, Waller thing. But, again, unless you don't want to be a Raider, I just don't even see that it should even be, like, a topic. You know, there's, if people want, like, a hot take, it should be, like, either Chandler Jones or the fact that we got rid of Jonathan Abram and then he can only stay on another team for a couple of weeks and he's out. And to me, I can only speculate, but my brain goes straight to locker room cancer. I can't prove it, but I'm just going to say, like, usually <laughs> when you see things like that happen, you know, that could be the case. And, you know, we had our quarterback calling out the team to some degree, um, you know, and maybe Abram was one of those guys. So I actually think that's a bigger – should be a bigger topic to talk about than the whole Waller thing. And what I want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas, dude, is the Raiders to win a Super Bowl in Vegas next year, 2023. So oh. th- that's all, just a little thing. You know <laughs> right. What I'm and, that's not hard. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a quick question for you, though. What would it take for Josh Jacobs to be not one of the best, but to be considered the best running back in the NFL as we end the season this year? Would it be like a certain amount of yards, the leading rusher? But what would it take for Josh Jacobs to be the best, considered the best running back in the NFL right now? Uh, and good, good question. I think for Jacobs to get that title this year, he'd have to get that title this year, right? I mean, he'd have to no doubt be the number one rusher in the league like he is right now. I mean, he, he currently is. And if he goes out there and uh, has some more dominant performances, and what I mean by that is not just 100 yards, uh, because that I think is a big deal, but just more where he's the reason why the Raiders won games. Like, he was the reason why the Raiders won on Sunday. I mean, that was a hell of a performance. And I'm not asking for 300 yards per scrimmage every game. That's impossible. But you know what Derrick Henry was able to do for the longest with the Titans? It was like, okay, he's the heart and soul of that team. That team goes as Derrick Henry goes. Josh Jacobs has done that throughout the course of this season, right? There was, what, three games in a row where he was the most dominant player on the team. He obviously was the most dominant player on the team on Sunday. Had a really good day in Denver as well. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, anyone can chime in with whatever they want, that's fine. I think that he has to, one, lead the league in rushing, but also be the reason why the Raiders put some more W's in the, in the win column, 
right? Check that box a few more times. He's got to he's got to continue to be the force, the reason why they win this game, you know, or the, or, or whatever game it is, you know, and and then to be the number one running back in the league. Like everyone, like I believe, I believe Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb are right up there. I think Derrick Henry, I'd still say he's the number one rusher in the league. I'll just mm-hmm. say that because I'm, I'm a Derrick Henry guy. I'm a big fan of Derrick Henry coming out of Alabama. But anyone who knows me knows that I'm an Alabama guy too. So slightly jaded, but that's fine. I think Nick Chubb is fantastic as well. Don't get me wrong. I think they're two of the best in the league. But they also could do it, has, have done it consistently, right? You've got to put more than one year where you're the best of the best, where you are the dude. Right, like I know they put Saquon Barkley up there. I don't put Saquon Barkley up there. I think he's damn good, but I just he's missed so many games in his career. So many games where he just hasn't consistently been that guy. He's having a great year this year. If it wasn't for Geno Smith, he'd probably win comeback player of the year, right? Hands down. But since Geno all of a sudden is doing unless they just all of a sudden go in Seattle a tailspin and they, you know, lose their lunch, which they could. Giants are playing well. I, I think one of those two guys, no doubt, wins comeback player of the year. But for me, my money right now, Derrick Henry is still the best running back in the league. But you put together a couple couple seasons that Josh is having like right now, he can easily be the number one running back in the league. Well, to take the argument of longevity out of the conversation, because I think that, that it's too hard to prove, but that's like down the road. But to me, for this season, going into next season, if he can lead the league in rushing, and let's say of the top five running backs in rushing, and if he leads that group in receiving and receptions that's as well, true. to me, that's the best running back in the league. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, and again, I'm, I'm so happy that he's having such a, a good year catching the ball and running with it after, you know, the yards after the catch, because it is something he did a lot of at Alabama. And so it always blew my mind when people said he wasn't that good of a uh, receiver out of, in college. And I was like, that was half the reason why I wanted the Raiders to get him, because he could do both. He was in a room with a bunch of dudes. I mean, when I mean dudes, I'm talking straight up alphas. He was in those rooms with alphas. And what he did really well was he ran and caught the ball. Derrick Henry, he ran the rock like a man child because that's what he was. He didn't really catch the ball that much. He really didn't. Other guys, they didn't really catch the ball that much. Josh Jacobs did that. And that's why it's so funny when we talked to him in the locker room. He's like, I've been... I've been catching passes. This is what I do. He just wasn't used right away in the passing game when it came to, you know, John Gruden and the, and the staff then. And a lot of that had to do with they were, they were concerned about his blocking. So if you want to say anything about him in, 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 in the passing game, it was more his blocking. And I think he's done a really good job improving on that. But he's always been able to catch passes. I'm not saying he's going for 74 yards a game or he runs little hezzy slant routes like he was <laughs> doing on Sunday against Seattle. But – I mean, the dude could catch the rock. Because that's what people forget about when it says, oh, he's a third down back. Most people just equate that to, oh, he's a receiving back. But it's also what you mentioned there, he's a blocking running back. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so important about the third down back. I remember I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about Amir Abdullah, and a scout was looking at Amir Abdullah at one of the senior bowls of something like that, pre-draft. And it's like, oh, that guy's going to be in the league for about 10 years just because of how well he can block as a running back. And look at Amir Abdullah. I don't know if he's at year 10 yet, but he's just someone who's been able to hang around the league. And you can look at the stats where coming into the season, you said, hey, he's had fumble issues. He's bounced around from team to team. But the things that he can do well, teams value that in the NFL. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, That's that's a really good point that you bring up right there. And, yeah, I think Amir Abdullah is in, what, year nine? I mean, he's, he's been around. He mentioned it the other day when Vinny talked to him in the locker room how long he's been around, and he was talking about Josh Jacobs. He's like, oh, I wish everyone could see what he brings to the table because this, dude, this dude's this dude got it, right? I mean, he, he really does. And, and Josh, man, I, I, can't, 
I can't stop talking about him just because of what he's been able to do uh, his whole career, really. I mean, and he's been he's been that guy that runs hard, runs with a sense of purpose. I mean, you can go back to his rookie year, and I know that he had you know a, a slight down year or whatever, but uh, man, he's really come back strong this year, and um, the Raiders have definitely benefited from what he's been able to do, and he'll benefit from what he's been able to do as well. <laughs> Make no mistakes about it. He will get paid. One way, one how, he's going to get paid. 4.33 is the time. Appreciate the calls and the text. When we come back, offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi, he met with the media earlier. We didn't even get to Patrick Graham, did we? We'll get to both of those as we close out the show. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. About 23 minutes left in the show. Raiders Roundtable, Lincoln Kennedy, JT The Brick, and myself is coming up right after 5 o'clock. It is live right now on Raiders YouTube, so you can check it out in about 23 minutes. I do not encourage you to check it out right now. Not that I'm hating on the show. The people on it are fine. Outstanding uh, citizens. (laughs) Just check it out after this show's over. Like I said, we got a lot to get to on the show before we get wrapped up. I wanted to hear from Coach Patrick Graham earlier. Didn't get a chance to get to that. Had a bunch of good calls and texts, so uh, that took priority. But let's go ahead and jump into some Coach Patrick Graham sound, and then we'll also hear from uh, Offensive Coordinator Mick Lombardi as well as both guys met with the media earlier today. And let's start with Graham, and let's start with the inside pressure. That's something that I remember sitting in my mom's house watching the game on Sunday, and as soon as Andrew Billings had a hit on Kenneth Walker, I was like, whoa, that's a big deal. Because Andrew Billings is a guy that's really has been really good so far this season as far as just kind of building that wall, but not really going out there making any dominant plays. You don't see him sacking the quarterback in the game. He ended up uh, with two half sacks that obviously equals a, a one-hole sack, but he also uh, was just around the ball a lot and around the, the ball carrier a lot. Just got that inside pressure, something we haven't seen a whole lot this season, and he did a good job. Nichols did a good job. I thought Clee did a good job when asked, and even Jerry Tillery did a good job. So here's Patrick Graham talking about what the Raiders were able to do with the inside pressure. I, I think those guys, well, I know those guys work really hard and just been trying to improve their pass rush. And, you know, Coach made a, a big emphasis uh, for Seattle in terms of let's get in the middle of the pocket and get in Geno's face. And those guys went out and executed one of the musts for the game. And, you know, it wasn't every play, but we had enough plays where they were in, uh, you know, in, in Geno's face. And that's one of the musts that Coach uh, identified that we need, needed to do to win the game. And as you can see, you know, two weeks in a row, guys are trying to hit the must as much as possible. And, you know, we were able to execute it. And that's just so important, man, being able to get that inside pressure. You've just got to be able to to collapse the pocket, especially in the AFC West, man. When you look at, you know, guys like uh, Patrick Mahomes, you've got guys like Justin Herbert, you know, Russell Wilson, you've got to be able to get that pressure. And and even Coach McDaniel said it on Monday was he said it's it's that wall, creating that wall and not allowing them to step up in the pocket. When they do step up in the pocket, they can get away. And a couple times Gino did get away on Sunday and it led to a big play for the Seahawks. You gotta be able to get that make that pocket collapse on a quarterback. If you could do that, that's when a guy like Chandler Jones, a guy like Max Crosby, uh, a guy like Tayshawn Bauer, whoever the case may be, can go and make a play. Malcolm Koontz, I mean those kind of guys can go make plays when the pocket is collapsing from the interior and then all of a sudden, boom, oh, here comes the outside and it's it's closing down as well. So overall defensive performance against Seattle, I thought it was Good at times. Thought it was really good at times. And, of course, it had its moments where it wasn't great. I mean, look, you don't give up 24 points and 34 altogether, but 24 that weren't off turnovers. They had 10 points that they gave up off turnovers and uh, stated that you had a stellar day on defense. But they did do some good things at times. Here's uh, Patrick Graham talking about their performance defensively. 
Nah, I want to say a little bit more. I mean, just again, sometimes the you know ball bounces the wrong way, but the guys they the guys have been working really hard all year. They've been working really hard all year. I think you know, coach talked about it in his press conference. The temperature really hasn't changed. The guys have, fo- have been focused. You know, just you know, some breaks here and there. I think the one thing like coach said, they're learning how to play together. You know, both you know all three phases, learning how to gut it out for a, a full sixty or sixty-five minutes, whatever it may take. And I'm just happy that they're getting the reward. And again, now we got reset. Come back in tomorrow and get ready to go uh, for the Chargers because big division game, uh, big challenge ahead of us. You know, a home game. You know, give the fans something to cheer about there with that. But we're. Um, I, I know the guys are. They, they've been working hard all year and focused. And I know that right now their attentions have turned to the Chargers. So there you go. We'll start turning our attention to the Chargers starting tomorrow on the show. Start giving you a preview of what to expect from this game on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. But uh, there's Patrick Graham kind of responding to the performance of the defense. And uh, in particular, I, I had asked him, does he feel like the team is starting to understand what they're being asked to do a little bit more defensively? You know, because it did look to me just from, a again, a guy sitting on my mom's couch watching the game. It looked like they were more understandable of what they were trying to do. Right. They all looked a lot more comfortable out there. Yeah, that goes to that. That's a great point. The prime example for me of what you just said is Denzel Perryman coming up with that interception. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, I think what Patrick Graham tries to preach with this defense is if you're if you do your job, if you're in the right spot, that's the right spot at the right time. And look what happens when you when you're in position mm-hmm. the way that they want you to be with this defense. Exactly, it's exactly what Luke Masterson did in this in the pre- preseason. Right when he had that uh, interception off the Patriots uh, in the preseason game, I mean, he literally dropped to the spot where he was supposed to drop to. And boom, it came right to him. And that that is that is a big deal. And I think that was the Patriots. To, and they had four games in the preseason. So I think that that was against the Patriots in preseason game number four. But whatever the case was, he dropped to right where he was supposed to. And that's what he was able to do, come up with an interception. And you saw that with Denzel Perryman on Sunday. And look, Deron Harmon almost had an interception. Trayvon Merritt got his hands on the ball. You know, those guys got to bring those down. I get that. Uh, but it just, you know, just seeing him around the ball, especially Trayvon Merritt, who, you know, we've all talked about, has, has taken a step back. But just to see him break up that pass with DK early on that first drive, I thought, okay, he knew what he was looking for. He, he was comfortable in that. And then going up and almost making a play, he's got to bring him down. Don't get me wrong. He's got to bring him down. I'm not trying to give him a pass. Look, everyone gets treated the same, right? Nobody gets – just because I was a fan of him doesn't mean that he gets a pass. He's got to be able to come down with those balls. Jerron Harmon's got to – and he'll tell you, got to come down with that interception in the end zone, right? The, the, the Seahawks got three points because Jerron Harmon wasn't able to secure the ball. And, you know, but – he was there. He was there to make the play. So, again, it just shows that they understand, or at least to me, understand what, they, uh, what they're supposed to do. Now, my final question that I asked Coach Graham about was Sam Webb, a guy that, and I, and I told him, hey, you know, he got picked on in, in Denver. He did. What did he see as far as a bounce back game from Sam Webb? Everybody bounces back from their past experiences. You know, I think, you know, you learn from some of the best learning I've had has been from defeats, you know, in terms of I remember my first game as a coordinator. I mean, I mean, you could look it up. I mean, it's about as embarrassing as a game. <laughs> Definitely not how I saw it going. <laughs> Definitely not how I saw it going. And, you know, I learned from that, and, you know, so, but, you know, again, we all learn from our experiences and, you know, we're, you know, they're football players, we're coaches, we get paid to do something and, you know, again, we got, I mean, we got to bounce back. It's a week-to-week league, and that's what we have to do. And I think that's what Sam Webb did, right? I mean, uh, Anthony Everett went out pretty early. You know, he had that toe injury, and, and, and Sam Webb, who I'm thinking is going to be a guest on the show sometime this week, maybe at the end of the week, maybe Thursday or Friday, we're going to try to get him on the show. I think that he bounced back. He 
forgot about whatever happened in Denver. And I thought he started to bounce back in Denver, to be honest. I thought he, you know, he early on, Denver was really starting to pick on him and, and go after him. I thought he kept fighting and kept fighting and kept fighting, which is a good sign. Because, again, you're going to fail at first. That's fine. You can, like, like Patrick Graham said, his first coordinating thing, I almost told him, <laughs> Coach, believe me, I remember my first radio show. <laughs> it wasn't all that either, <laughs> right? So some would say it ain't all that now. So, you know, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, it's, it's okay. But, no, that, I mean, that's the truth, though. I mean, that's what we do. We, we all, if you're not evolving, something's wrong. Yeah, exactly. And like he said, it's a week-to-week league, but that doesn't mean that you go out and you forget that performance, but but that's why the week is so important, go, getting building up for the next game. So you got Patrick Graham, but he can teach you, hey, what you did wrong here, what we're going to fix for this next game, and you see that with Sam Webb. And also, I know know that this probably isn't exactly what led into that decision, but Anthony Averitt being put on IR, knowing that his season is going to be over, but then when you see from Sam Webb, hey, I think that this coaching staff, they knew, hey, we're going to be all right that Anthony Averitt's not going to be available for the rest of the season because Sam Webb has shown up and played better. Right. Well, I'm interested to see. One, we'll see if Nate Hobbs is able to come back this week. You know, I mean, he was he was eligible to come off of IR last week, but he had an illness, and Coach McDaniel said he didn't uh, get to practice at all last week, so he didn't feel good just throwing him out there on the field with no practice. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if he's able to go this week. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I think it would be big if they can get Nate Hobbs back, and we'll see what happens. We'll see who's, who's out there as well. We'll see if it's Rock. We'll see if it's Sam Webb. We'll see if, uh, you know, who gets, who gets the burn. I mean, they got guys. Who's going to get the burn and who's going to prove that they they should be there? You know, the one thing I'll say, if you go back and look, and I, and no one's really talked about it, Amik Robertson didn't get very much burn at all on Sunday. If you go back and look at the snap count, he had like four uh, four snaps. Like He didn't do a whole lot of anything. Wasn't really on the field too much. You got to go back and look. but And I know he was in there at the end of the game, and he was squared up against DK Metcalf, which is like the biggest dude on the field with the smallest dude on the field. <laughs> And I know Amik, you know, he's got that he's got that that heart where it's like, hey, I can go after I, I can I can defend anybody. I, I could appreciate that. But I remember seeing that and I was like, wow, that's that's a mismatch right there. You know, let's see how it all shakes out. It shake it shook out fine for the Raiders, but he didn't play a whole lot. Yeah, only four snaps you were spot on there. That's what four happens. snaps on defense. There you go. So uh, you know, we'll be interested to see what this week looks like and what, you know, what the production or or the the burn for Amik Robertson is. This upcoming Sunday, I think that's something to definitely pay attention to, especially with Anthony Averett now on IR. Now, let's switch over to the offensive side of things. Coach Mick Lombardi also met with the media earlier today, and uh, one of the first questions asked to him was about Derek Carr and the way that he recovered after the initial interceptions that he threw. I think it speaks to the entire team's mentality. You know, I mean, you throw an interception, you know, the first play of the game, it's going to it's going to challenge your mental toughness. And then you go out there, and then we got the ball and scored in the, on the next series, touchdown, but then gave a turnover in the following series. So, you know, how we handle that not only as an offense, but as a defense, as a kicking unit is big, and it speaks to a lot of the guys in terms of just, hey, next play mentality moving forward, especially Derek, the skill guys in offense, the offensive line. But it's a really a team thing because when, you know, obviously when you're on the sideline and something good happens on defense – you kind of have some energy on offense. And then when something bad happens on offense, you know, I'm sure the defense feels like, okay, we got to step up a little bit and make a play. So the defense did that a number of times on Sunday, which was great, helped us tremendously. And, you know, obviously the mental toughness of the team was, you know, what I was really pleased with. You know, and I think that the defense being able to come up with a couple turnovers, I think was huge, right? I mean, it's huge every week anyway. But I thought it was just so massive because the Raiders did have those two early interceptions. And, you know, for uh, Denzel Perryman to make that play. And then uh, the Seahawks were driving on the one where Geno just 
handed the ball off to basically nobody, just straight fumbled the, the snap. You know, he was, hand, he was trying to hand it off to Kenneth Walker, and it just was a, a bad exchange. And for Chandler Jones to come up with it, it was just something that was needed in a major way, you know. And then also I uh, want to tip the cap to the defense uh, on the second interception thrown by Carr. They didn't allow a touchdown. They only allowed a field goal. And I remember looking over at, at, at my friends that were at the, at the house with me, at, at mom's house, and, they, and said, hey, giving up three points, that's a win. That's a win. Exactly. And then where you say we always talk about the plus, excuse me, the plus fours, you know, not the yeah, minus, minus threes. Fours, yeah. yeah, excuse me. But when it comes to that interception that Denzel Perryman had and Josh Jacobs getting that rushing touchdown on the next possession, next play, yeah. that's how you reward the defense for giving you those turnovers. I thought Denzel was going to take it to the house at first. I was Man, like, the way he pushed Jayon Brown, that yeah. was so funny to me. <laughs> Get your words. Yo, <laughs> didn't still form no defender right. with his own teammate. Yeah. yeah, like exactly. Get out of my way. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. I, I just knew he was going to take it to the house. But uh, big ups to, to Josh Jacobs for uh, you know being able to finish it uh, with a touchdown on the very next play. I mean, I thought that that was big. And so uh, being able to have those kind of plays, uh, Coach, Coach Lombardi is absolutely right. It does give your, your sideline juice, something that Jerron Harmon brought up a couple weeks ago. When guys make good plays, give them the love. Show them the love, something that the Raiders weren't doing. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not saying that just because they're excited and fired up on the sideline means they're going to win every game. It's not what I'm saying, but they are. They have won two in a row since they've you know shown some energy and excitement on the sideline. That goes for something. It goes for something, and it also squashes those rumors. I know that players they can say that they don't care, but they hear everything that the outside is saying. <laughs> yeah, and if the outside is saying, "Hey, man, those guys in the locker room don't even like each other," you can put all that to bed when when you make good plays. You're out there celebrating each other, big up in your teammates. When everybody you get that interception, everybody runs into the end zone. I saw the pictures that the Raiders posted. And Cleve Farrell, he had his helmet off, and I was thinking, like, what that is? Like, what's going on there? Like, you, you know, he's the only one with his helmet off. But, you know, it's just – it goes a long way just to see those little bit of steps of t- of camaraderie from the team. Trying to throw Cleve under the bus there. No, I was just thinking about the guy from the Panthers, though. You remember him? Yeah, no, I do. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, that was DJ Moore. I remember that. I remember and, and it. Come to find out, that was actually called wrong. But uh, yeah, I, I was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what oh, they said. Man, I didn't hear that. Yeah, they said uh, as long as you're outside of the, the the field of play, you can have your helmet off. So I being out of the end zone, he actually technically was allowed to have it off, but they didn't call that like that. So yeah. Wow, the NFL needs to give them the win back. <laughs> man, that's crazy. I didn't even know that. That's all right. Matt Rule's doing okay now. Matt Rule. <laughs> Matt Rule's doing just fine. Well, he was already gone by oh, then. He was already fired yeah. by then, huh? Well, he's doing Hit good the now. Bricks, dog. I mean, <laughs> he's doing fine now. Is he? Great. Yeah, he's doing great. Just Does Nebraska a good just, job? Yeah. You want to go there? It's a blue blood. Yeah, I'll go there. It's a blue blood. Absolutely. If he can figure out how to turn that around, that, yeah, then he'll re- he'll be on the on the 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 the, the Mount Rushmore of of, of of Bob the Builders. That's who he is. He's Bob the Builder, right? I'm not saying he's Nick Saban, but he's Bob the Builder. He's the guy that can turn your program around, and he will. He'll be just fine. He's doing fine. He he. Let's put it like this. He had an opportunity to keep forty million dollars. He could have sat at home. Watched Netflix and chilled and made $40 million. Carolina would have had to pay him. Instead, he went out and got another job. And now, offsetting language, he ain't going to get all that money from Carolina. Some cats would have been like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'll stay at home. I got 40 mil coming in. Check my bank account every Thursday. I'm good. <laughs> just saying. I, I'm assuming it's Thursday. <laughs> I just made that up. Uh, Amir Abdullah, how about that? How about we hear about from uh, offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi? You might mention Amir Abdullah and the, the touchdown that he had, and of course the you know the unnecessary roughness or personal foul, whatever the penalty was for his uh, karate kick. That was great. The only problem was it just hit it hit Quandre Diggs' uh, shoulder pad, and so then that was definitely called for a penalty. Which you know it is what it is. I wasn't too worried about that. But uh, here's uh, Coach Lombardi talking about Amir Abdullah. 
yeah, I think the first thing that starts with the pass protection. You know, I can't, I can't under, I can't, I can't overemphasize how important that is in terms of being a running back in the NFL. Um, and I think our backs do a great job of that. And Coach Kenny works really hard with them at that. Um, so he's really mastered that, not only just from a funnel man standpoint, but from, from a schematic standpoint. Um, so really, once he's matched with that, and then obviously getting in the passing game, the first third down, the first third down conversion of the game was a target to him. And then, you know, he caught the touchdown pass in the red zone, which, you know, he's growing as a player in our offense in the passing game, uh, like everybody, like Keelan Cole is, you know, every, every certain position, you know, taking the fundamentals in terms of the route technique, whether that's from the backfield or split out wide. You know, and that's just really a big part of just growing and evolution starts back with the first part of the season to your question earlier. You know, some guys aren't as comfortable doing certain things, you know, only with six weeks of practice in camp. But then as the season goes on, there's time on task and more repetitions and understanding of coverages and taking the technique to the practice field. I think that's really kind of the the evolution part of it. And Amir has been a victim of that. Coach Lombardi talking about Amir Abdullah and what he's been able to do and how his role has evolved since the season started. And again, I think that his uh, role has evolved in a major way as far as the kick return game goes. I know he got the touchdown pass uh, against Seattle on Sunday. That was big. But man, I'm telling you, I feel like he's so close to actually breaking one of those uh, kick returns to the house. You know, just taking one to the house. I Let's put it like this. I actually got excited when the ball didn't go over his head and was a touchback. I was like, okay. Let's give this dude an opportunity. And and earlier in the season, I didn't want anybody to return the ball because their their kick return cover or their kick return wasn't very good and their coverage was even worse. So, you know, they weren't doing anything as far as the special teams go. You can see that getting better. If it happens at a home game, will you celebrate in the press box? No, you can't celebrate in the <laughs> press box. I know someone I, I will say this. There goes that guy, Amir Abdullah, to the house. Or you know, I'll say something like that on Twitter. But no, I'm not gonna celebrate in the press box. I was box. just asking, maybe, I'm trying to get myself kicked out of the press little, box. Maybe a little small fist bump. I'm not trying to get myself kicked out the press box. Dang, the, only people that, the only people that get away with that are Jason Fitz and, uh, and Bryce Butler. <laughs> they carry more weight than I do, man. They carry more weight. Jason Fitz, he uh, he celebrates and then he says, sorry, sorry, <laughs> apologize. <laughs> I understand you're trying to work here. Cracks you're the host up. of the Raider Roundtable. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm the sidekick of the, of the Raiders Roundtable. I am not the host of anything. I'm the host of... The Locked On Raiders podcast, and I'm the host of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. That, by that sound, means it's over. <laughs> so, there you go. When you hear that music right there, when you hear Onyx, when you hear, I'm a B-boy, standing in my B-boy stance, yo, give me the microphone before. Yeah, when you hear that, that's when you know. Show's over. It's done deal records. Damon is giving me the, uh, you're giving me the. I mentioned the Raider Roundtable so you can set it up. Because that's give, what's coming up next. <laughs> you're giving me the award show treatment. All right, let's set this guy up. Let's go on, turn the music on, let him know. He's got about 30 seconds before it's a done deal. Exactly 30 seconds, as a matter of fact. But Raiders Roundtable, I was on today. JT the Brick and Lincoln Kennedy, thanks for the segue. I appreciate that. That is coming up next. You can also check it out on the Raiders YouTube page. But, uh, yeah, it's up next, the audio version of it. Real good stuff with Lincoln Kennedy, JT, and myself coming up here next on Radish Radio 920. Appreciate all our guests and all the calls and texts. We appreciate it every day. It's Radish Radio 920.